all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Well, cold and flu season is upon us, and added to the cold season, we also have a COVID season now, and this is also RSV season, and so we are starting to see more and more virus infections in our clinics. And so today, we're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about some of the complications, when you need antibiotics and when you don't what you can do at home, and we're also going to talk about the vaccines for all of these viruses. So uh, we would love to hear from you, so give us a call this morning, share your comments and questions. You can always send us an email as well to kids at mpbonline.org. So we always joke um, when I was in residency and training that once the fair comes to town, everybody starts to get sick. And the fair is here. I think it started this week. Uh, The Mississippi State Fair did. And so it is time for everybody to start getting sick. I will say we actually have been seeing flu since August. Honestly, I've seen several cases since August. Um, But here recently, we've started to definitely see an upspring in some of the respiratory viruses. So, um, you know, I feel like a lot of people come to the doctor and they want some medicine. They want to make them feel better. And, you know, a lot of times with these viruses, we can treat supportively, but you really don't necessarily need a medicine prescribed by your doctor. You know, a lot of these illnesses are viruses. Antibiotics work for bacteria. So you don't need an antibiotic. You don't need an antibiotic shot. Um, You don't necessarily need a steroid shot. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Like, when do you need an antibiotic? Uh, Because a lot of people have questions about that. And we can also talk about why we don't just give antibiotics. Because We see so much resistance, and so we can talk a little bit about that as well. So, um, But I wanted to start off by talking about some of the different vaccines available right now, uh, because now is the time to go get your vaccines for these respiratory illnesses, Uh, because uh, the sooner you can get them, the better. It takes about two weeks before you can have, uh, before your body fully responds to the vaccine and produces all of the antibodies that are needed to help you fight the infection. And so if you think now, we're kind of right here in the middle of October. So if you get your shot today, you should be good 
starting by November. And here in Mississippi, ours peaks between like December and February. But a lot of times we will actually have flu um, into March as well. But usually flu RSV peak during December to February. So Go in and get your vaccine, um, hopefully within the next couple of weeks so that you can get protected. Uh, the other thing to think about is the holidays are coming up on us. So, you know, Thanksgiving is just over a month. Well, Halloween's, what, two weeks away? Um, Thanksgiving's about six weeks away. And then you've got Christmas and, you know, all the different big holidays that we have coming up where you're going to be around family and friends and probably some larger gatherings. And so you want to make sure that you're protected before you get into those big crowds. Um, So I wanted to start a little bit about with the flu shot. Uh, You know, this is one that has been around for a really long time. Uh, A lot of people have mixed feelings about the flu shot. You know, we have some people in our clinic that the first thing they do when they sit down for their visit is say, do you have any flu shots? Can I get my flu shot? And then we have some that I'll ask, you want to get your flu shot today? And they're like, absolutely not. And so I just feel like we have such a big range of, um, you know, who wants the flu shot and who doesn't. So I just wanted to, you know, kind of talk about a little bit about it, maybe answer some of the questions that you may have and and why do we recommend a flu shot every year? Because it, it can get annoying that you have to get the same shot every year. But uh, there are different. And the reason they're different is because viruses are pretty smart and they're pretty sneaky. And so they change all of the time. So we have two main types of flu viruses that we see here in the U.S., and that's A and B. And those are the main ones we test for. You know, we we may see some of the other two, the C and D viruses, but our test, um, our antigen test that when you go to the doctor and you get swabbed in your nose, they're testing for flu A and flu B because they're the most common ones we see. And then so you have those types of viruses, but then when you actually break it down, you have different genes of the viruses um, and then the proteins on there. And so that's, you have H and you have N. So you all remember like, um, I don't know, I think it was like early 2000 maybe when we had the H1N1 that broke out and everybody was getting super sick because our flu shots didn't um, didn't account for that flu. And so uh, what they call it, the swine flu, isn't that what they called it? Um, but is that what it was? Yeah, the swine flu, the H1N1 swine flu. And so everybody was getting the the, the swine flu. Um, so that's what we're talking about when we say the different types. I mean, when you break it down and how it changes. Um, so you have these main proteins, the H1, the H protein and the N protein. And as you can see, like just like the H1N1 swine flu outbreak, those little proteins can change up. And when those proteins change up, it changes the virus. Um, And sometimes they can be a little more aggressive, hence the swine flu. Um, But then there's some that you really don't notice that much of a change. Um, And that's why we only get those outbreaks of like the swine flu every so often. It's not like we that happens every year, thankfully, uh, because the swine flu made a lot of people really sick. So Um, but yeah, so you can have the, you know, the changes. The thing to know about it, and that's why you have to get the shot every year, because those viruses change. And then so a lot of people are like, well, it's really just a guessing game. That's what a lot of people tell me when they when they say they don't really want to get the flu shot. 
um, because you don't know exactly what you're covering. And, and you're kind of right. I mean, we're able to to see and monitor what's happening around the world and in the Southern Hemisphere because their seasons are a little different than ours. So we're able to kind of see the trends that they they are seeing in the flu virus and base our vaccine off of that. And we also have some different things we can use to predict kind of what the flu season will look like. Um, but, you know, no, our vaccine if we're being honest, is not going to be 100% effective at preventing the flu in everybody. Uh, because like I said, the viruses are sneaky. The viruses are smart. They are constantly changing. But the good thing to know is we know that all these viruses are based off of, like we talked about, these genes and the proteins associated with them. So while it may not be exactly the type of flu virus that you get, if you've had the flu shot, you're going to have some protection because you're going to have some cross-reactivity. So yes, the proteins and the arrangements of them can change a little bit, but the whole base of it is still you're going to get some protection. So I say that to say, yes, we may not be able to give you 100% protection, um, you know, you you may be that person that says, you know, well, I got the flu shot last year and I still got the flu. That's happened to me before, too. And it is frustrating. However, we know that typically if you get the flu after you've had the flu shot, hopefully your disease, your um, illness should not be as severe and it shouldn't last as long. So it's kind of like you're giving yourself the antiviral. You know, we, we have some medicines that we can give for the flu. Um, it's kind of like you're giving yourself that before you even have it because it hopefully should reduce your severity and the duration of your illness. So, um, so yes, we can't 100% prevent the flu. I wish we could. But we can't right now. Um, and so with that, it's still going to give you the best protection. So who should get the flu shot? Everybody six months and older. So under six months, you can't get the flu shot. But once you turn six months, you can get the flu shot. So for our little babies who are under six months and can't get the flu shot, um, we really try to make sure we are vaccinating our pregnant moms because those antibodies do pass over through the placenta. And we'll stay with the baby for a little while, um, usually at least six weeks or so, um, if the baby is breastfeeding, then they'll actually have even longer protection because those antibodies also pass into the breast milk. So, so for our little babies under six months, if you can, um, you know, make sure you get it. If you're pregnant, make sure you get the flu shot now. And then also make sure you, if you can, try to breastfeed or at least give your baby 50% breast milk because, again, those antibodies will pass over to them. Um, if you can't do that, if you, you know, breastfeeding didn't work out for you, that's okay. Just try to vaccinate everybody around you. That's what I always tell everybody. So if we can't, if you were unable to breastfeed, you, that's okay. And your baby's under six months, you get the flu shot, your partner gets the flu shot, the grandparents, the siblings, the cousins, anybody who's going to be around your baby needs to make sure they get the flu shot um, so that that way you can protect your baby as best you can. To note, um, between six months and eight years old, so anybody under nine, for the first time they're getting the flu shot, we recommend two doses. And that's really because we're just kind of like priming the system with that first dose, and then they get kind of a booster shot. They will never have to do that again. It is just their first flu season that they have to do that. And then the rest, it will be just one shot, just like everybody else. Um, so, but that's important to know because as you're planning 
you know, your baby getting her flu shot, you want to make sure you're planning that they're going to have to get a second dose. So just to throw that out there. Um, And then we definitely recommend uh, uh, 65 and older getting the flu vaccine. There's a specific type of flu vaccine that we recommend. It's called the high-dose flu vaccine. Essentially, it's just a little bit stronger version of it. If by chance you're listening out there and you're 65 and you did not get the high-dose flu shot, it's okay. Um, You're still going to have some pretty good protection with just the regular flu shot. There's no need to go get a second flu shot to include the high-dose Um, But just if you're out there and you're listening um, and you are over 65, when you go get your flu shot, just make sure to ask them for the high dose. And pretty much all the pharmacies are doing that, and most of the clinics keep them in stock, too. So so most people will catch it for you, but if not, just make sure you ask for it. Uh, We do have a caller who has a question about some COVID vaccines. So good morning, Sarah. What's going on? Well, um, my mother, she's, you know, in her late 70s, and she has some reservations about getting the latest COVID booster. She's wondering if there are downsides to getting it, whereas I worry that getting COVID would be much worse than any potential side effects of the booster. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, so... Basically, what I'm telling people is, I mean, the CDC officially recommends everybody six months getting this newest dose of the COVID vaccine, which is um, available to, you know, cover the circulating ones that we have now. A lot of people have a lot of reservations because they, you know, are tired of getting COVID vaccines, which I totally understand. Um, And so, you know, what I've tried to encourage people is if you're high risk for complications from COVID, so that's going to be anybody 60 and older or anybody that has any chronic medical problems such as diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease, lung disease. Those are the people that I'm like, I hear you, but I really wish you would get one. Um, Now, some of the other ones I can kind of have my arm twisted a little bit and I can see where you're coming from and I understand but if you're older than 60 um, you know I really have been trying to encourage people to try to get that COVID booster as far as I know there's not many downsides to it Um, I've had several patients that have gotten it I myself have not gotten it yet but I have had several patients that have gotten it and nobody has had any problems with it so far and actually most of my patients have told me that they tolerated it a lot better than the previous ones Um, so even the people who had pretty strong reactions with that kind of flu-like illness with their first set of shots, they have not had that with this newest dose. Oh, well, that, that's great. That's great. And so she's actually right here, Mom. What are your, you're not, so, no, it's fine. Just what downsides are you worried about? Like, what have you heard that you, she well, could have? Did it cause stroke or something? So so the clotting thing, I think, is probably what she's alluding to. Um, and yeah. that was actually associated mostly with the J&J vaccine, which is not on the market right now. Well, I think it probably is available in some places. But in the U.S., it is not one of the ones that the CDC is allowing. Um, so mostly it's going to be the Pfizer and the Moderna. Uh, there is a third one, and I'll have to look it up because I'm not as super familiar with nope, that one. Nope. Um, but that's, I think the J&J one is the one she's referring to that had all the associ- potential associated clotting, and that one's not in the market right now in the U.S. Okay, great. Well, that's great. Does that alleviate your concerns somewhat? Okay, well, she's she's still on the fence, but I do appreciate it. She heard you, and she's hearing it from me, too, so that's a big help. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you, Sarah, for your call. We appreciate it. 
Um, so maybe some people listening out there have had the COVID vac- the newest COVID vaccine. And if you have, if you wouldn't mind calling and sharing that experience with us. I know, Kevin, if you don't mind calling me calling you out, you told me before the break uh, that you have gotten all of the shots uh, that we're talking about. And so did you, you said you did fine other than a little sore arm? Yeah, I think I felt maybe kind of puny one one time, and I thought it was interesting because it was not sort of the day after it was the day after that, but not anything that really slowed me down at all. And again, uh, the only thing that really was noticeable was the uh, the pain at the injection site, and that was again a couple of days, and it wasn't awful. But it's uh, you know I'm a tennis player, and I thought if I'm having to lift my racket tomorrow, probably not going to do very well. Yeah. But other than that, uh, no. And, and as you said earlier. Compared to the first series of COVID shots, this was a, a walk in the park. Good. So Good. I would strongly recommend uh, all, all of them. And I thought, you know, that thing is, if I'm going to get them, get them all at once. And that way, if you do feel crummy or whatever, it's over with. But then you're protected for, from then on. Yeah. Kevin was a brave soul and got all three of them at the same time. Um, and I have a lot of people ask me about that. And from a safety profile standpoint, it's totally fine. Um, but you do run the risk of having a little bit more of those side effects, potentially the sore arm, because you're going to have to have two in one. Um, so you're probably going to have a sore arm. But then you also have the risk of having that kind of like flu-like, fever-like feeling Um if you're getting more than one at the same time. so But from a safety profile standpoint, it's totally fine to get all three if you want to. So um, so before the break, we talked a lot about the flu vaccine and why you have to get one every year and just how smart these viruses are in changing. Um, and that's why we have to constantly get a new and updated flu shot every year. So, And we're kind of seeing that with COVID now, too. You know, I mean, I think we've all seen it over the past three years, three and a half years, I guess, um, with just how quickly new variants have come out. So, they, like I said, these viruses are, are sneaky and they're smart. So, um, But we are very thankful for our microbiologists who are able to to help study all of this and create these vaccines. So um, so like I was saying before the break, six months and older um, is when you get your flu shot. Between six months and nine years old, so eight and um, six months, uh, under nine, I'm sorry, so six to eight, six months to eight years old, you have to get two doses. And that's just the very first time. So when you're planning for your child's flu shot, just make sure you know that you're going to have to schedule another one. Um, and it's, it has to be a minimum of 28 days apart. We'll have a lot of kids that like come in and we'll give them their first dose of flu shot and we realize they need another one. It's been two months. It's totally fine. It doesn't have to be right at the 28-day mark. We can catch you up at any time. Um, So just know that. But just kind of plan accordingly when you're trying to work through that for your child. Um, there's a couple of different kinds of vaccines. Pretty much everybody now has the uh, preservative-free one. Um, and we've kind of moved away from the trivalent, and it's mostly the quadrivalent uh, vaccine. And so that's just what types of the variants that it's covering. And then there still is the nasal spray available. I don't know that many people still use it. I know we don't do it in our clinic. Um, there's lots of restrictions on who can get it and who can't get it. You have to be at least two years old. Um, you can't have asthma, heart problems, all of that. You can't be immunosuppressed um, because the nasal spray is a live vaccine um, as opposed to the flu shot, uh, which is a dead inactivated virus. So um, it is available for a while. They took it off the market just because it wasn't having as good of success. But I think it's been back for at least the last couple of years. So if that's something that you want to do, it is available. Um, but just know that 
I personally did. When I was working um, in college, I worked for a pediatric office, and it was like the first time they had gotten the nasal spray. I mean, this was, gosh, I don't even know how many years ago, 16, 17 years ago. <laughs> so it was a long time ago. And um, I tried the nasal one because I was like, well, let me just see. That's easier than getting a shot. You know, I was like 21 years old. So, of course, I was still kind of a little afraid of shots back then. And um, I tried it. And let me tell you, that one was terrible. Uh, the nasal spray. I had a headache for like two days straight, and I really felt crummy. Um, and I think part of that's because it was just a live vaccine and just the way you administer it. But I'm sure they, like I said, that was 16, 17 years ago. So they've they've come a long way uh, with those vaccines. So they may be better now. But for the most part, honestly, people tend to tolerate the shot better than the nasal spray. Uh, but that is an option if that is something that you're interested in. Um, and then the other big question that we get a lot with flu shots, not only are the types uh, that are available, it's also um, if you're allergic to eggs, can you get the flu shot? Uh, because that was always a big thing is you can't get the flu shot if you have an egg allergy. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there with egg allergies. Um, for the most part, most people with egg allergies are um, fine to get the flu shot. There are no restrictions. There used to be only certain types of flu shots that you could get um, with egg allergies, and now that's kind of even taken away now. Everybody with an egg allergy should be safe to get the flu shot. Now, I would recommend, you know, for my patients that have egg allergies, um, I do recommend for them to get their flu shots in the clinic with us instead of, like, at a pharmacy, in case something were to happen, um, I've never actually seen it happen before, uh, but it would be, you know, nice to be in a controlled environment if something were by chance to happen. So just, you know, if you have an egg allergy, your kid, um, grandchild, somebody has an egg allergy, it is still safe for get them to get the flu shot, but I would recommend maybe doing it in a controlled doctor's office um, so that that way you'll have help if something were to happen. Another question, and I kind of mentioned this before the break, um, can pregnant people get the flu shot? And the answer is yes, and we actually encourage it. Um, like I mentioned before, you have to be at least six months to get the flu vaccine. And so if you get the flu shot while you're pregnant, some of those antibodies will pass over through the placenta and give coverage to the baby, and that lasts usually at least around six weeks. Um, and then if you continue breastfeeding, then that will also pass through the antibodies will into the breast milk and give your baby some protection too. So um, if you can and you're pregnant, we would definitely recommend you getting the flu vaccine. So, And like I said, you know, it may not completely prevent you from getting the flu, uh, but hopefully it will decrease your risk of uh, complications and decrease your severity and duration if you get the flu. So what what do you do if you get the flu? Um, and do you always have to go to the doctor? I guess that's another question we get a lot. Um, you know, we don't have to necessarily, you don't necessarily have to go to the doctor if you have the flu. Um, if you want to know, you know, it's sometimes it's kind of nice just to have an answer. Um, and so we do have the test where we do the little nasal swab and we get a little bit of your secretions and we can run the test. And like I said, we look at the antigen. It's an antigen test. Um, so it's looking at those um, flu A and flu B. And we can uh, diagnose you with that. But 
it's a virus, so, you know, there's not much we can do for it. There are some medicines out there now, um, but for the most part, you know, the treatment for a virus is still going to be supportive care. Um, there are the two main medicines that we think about, um, which is going to be the Tamiflu or also Tamivir. And the newest one is that Zofluza medicine, um, Biloxivir. Uh it is a lot more expensive, but from what I hear from patients and family and friends, it actually works much better than Tamiflu does. Um, it's just really expensive. Most insurances don't cover it very well, and so you end up still having to pay a decent amount out of pocket, even if you file it on your insurance. So um, just know that uh, the Tamiflu, it does come in a liquid, and it also comes in a pill, and you can give it as early as three months of age. So you know, if your little one does get diagnosed, then you can uh, give them the Tamiflu. The problem is Tamiflu, if you've ever taken it, uh, you know, it can really upset your stomach. A lot of people have get upset stomach with Tamiflu. And so some people are like, you know, I don't even really know if it's worth it to take the Tamiflu. And that's okay. You don't have, like I said, again, the biggest treatment is going to be supportive care. Um, and so you don't have to take the Tamiflu, but that option is available for, for you and your little one. Um, the Zofluzing, on the other hand, so the Tamiflu, you would take for five days. The Zofluza is just a one-time dose, um, and you have to be 12 years old in order to get it. So those are going to be the two main options. So if you are this flu season, you get diagnosed with the flu, you do have those options. But the biggest thing when you have the flu is rest and hydration um, and trying to overdo it uh, because when you overdo it, that's a lot of times when you get the complications. So um, so you want to make sure that you're resting, drinking plenty of fluids, trying to stay hydrated, um, and hopefully you got your flu shot and you won't have as many complications and problems when you get the flu. Um, if you've been exposed to the flu, another question we get a lot is, uh, you know, you your kid got diagnosed with the flu. Is there anything that you can do? Um, you can take Tamiflu as a prophylaxis, and you can actually take Zoflusa as a prophylaxis as well. Um, again, the Zoflusa is just a one-time dose, uh, but the Tamiflu, we do kind of change the dosing of it. So instead of taking it over five days, we extend it over a little bit longer period, um, over 10 days, to hopefully prevent you from catching the flu. So if that's something that you're interested in and you have a family member that gets diagnosed with the flu, most of the physicians, if you call them and just explain, they don't mind sending in the Tamiflu for you just to have on hand. So just something to think about. Um, we have a caller, Eva, on the line. Hey, Eva, what's going on this morning? Well, I wanted to ask the question. Um, I think I heard you say that we can take uh, two types of different types of vaccines at the same time. Yes, ma'am, you can. Um, I am skeptical because how would I know which vaccine is causing an adverse reaction if I take them both at the same time? Well, that's a good point, and you wouldn't know. Um, I mean, you know, majority of the shots out there that we have, like the COVID and flu vaccines, are similar to the ones that you've had in the past. And so if you've tolerated those well in the past, it's probably safe to take them again and you, together. 
Um, but say like, you know, this new RSV vaccine, um, if you're hesitant, you know, to take it with something else, because you wouldn't really be able to truly know which one it was, or um, like a pneumonia shot, we only give a pneumonia shot every five to 10 years. And if this is your first time getting it, you may not want to give it with another one, because you're right, you won't know exactly which one caused the reaction. Uh, but for the most part, if you've had the flu shot before, you've had the COVID vaccine, and you've had the pneumonia shot, you're probably going to do just fine, and it's totally safe to give them together. Yeah. Well, but, I, will, I will take mine at least two weeks apart. And that's totally so I'll make fine. Sure what I'm suffering from is one or the other. That, yeah. And I think that's the best thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So, and that gives the body time because usually, like I said, it does take about two weeks for those antibodies to form. Um, So that kind of gives your immune system a little time to catch up and then you can give your next vaccine. So every two weeks is fine. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for calling, Eva. You brought up a good point. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We have been talking a lot about the flu and flu shots. Um, And now we're going to talk some about the COVID vaccine. And I was going to mention the new RSV vaccine as well. Um, So for the COVID vaccine, it is indicated older than six months as well. Um, And in the newest, there is a newest version this fall that is out and available um, to cover the newest variants and strands that are out right now and circulating. So um, overall, COVID is much better. Uh, The past few times I have rounded in patients in the hospital, we definitely are not seeing near as many as we were um, in previous times. And I'm very thankful for that. However, um, it is still here. There are still people that are getting really sick from it. Uh, especially if you are um, high risk. We talked a little bit about it earlier with our um, caller, but, you know, anybody 60 and older, anybody with any chronic medical problems such as diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease, lung disease, liver disease, you all are going to be at higher risk or people who are taking immunosuppression medicine as well going to be at higher risk for complications um, from COVID. And so these are the people that I'm really trying to push a booster in. Um, Like I said, a lot of my patients just tell me they're tired of the shots. (laughs) And, you know, I sympathize with that. I completely understand. Um, But, you know, we know that one more dose should hopefully give you a little bit of coverage through this next season. Uh, Usually the COVID does tend to get a little bit worse during the same time as the flu and RSV. And a lot of that just has to do with the time of year. You know, it circulates in the wintertime. But also during the wintertime is when people gather together. Um, You're also not doing as many outdoor activities because the weather's getting cooler. Um, And so you're inside and the viruses spread a lot easier when you're inside and when you're in groups. So this is the time when we typically see the higher spikes in all of these viruses. And so if you're on the fence about it, now would be the time to get the extra booster dose. we kind of briefly talked about it, but there are two main types is going to be the same ones, the Pfizer and the Moderna um, COVID vaccine. Both of them are pretty similar. Both of them are still the mRNA vaccine. Um, and you just need one more extra dose of it this fall. If you're older than five, even if you've never been vaccinated, you still just need one dose. Um, 
If you're under five, depending on which one you get, Pfizer versus Moderna, you may need two to three doses of it. Um, and we just know that's just because you need a little bit boost to help your immune system when you're younger. So uh, it's something to talk to your pediatrician about. I don't think all pediatric offices are having it. I know our clinic does not have it, and there are a few other ones that don't have the COVID vaccine. Um, but we can definitely still talk to you about it and give you some guidance on it on how many doses your little one would need versus uh, your older kids and all of that. We could go through that. But again, really, the younger ones are younger patients are adults older than 60. Um, And like I said, anybody with chronic medical problems are going to be the patients who are at risk for COVID vaccine. Um, One, our callers earlier had mentioned the the clots, um, which was associated with the J&J vaccine, which is not currently available in the U.S. Um, right now, like I said, it's mostly just Pfizer and Moderna. Um, so that that risk is gone. Um, the other biggest one that a lot of people like to talk about is the cardiac complications and have a lot of questions about. Um, and in particular, myocarditis is the big one that a lot of people have heard the term and are, are concerned about, rightfully so. However, um, statistics have shown that the risk of cardiac complications, including myocarditis, is actually higher after a true COVID infection than it is after the vaccine. So um, myocarditis is when the heart gets enlarged, and a lot of times it is caused by a virus. We see it a decent amount in the summertime in particular. Uh, There's a lot of the enteroviruses that tend to cause that. Um, But any virus can cause it. And we see it, a majority of the cases of it we see are caused by some type of virus. Um, so it's not surprising to me that actually the true COVID infection gives you a higher risk, up to five times higher risk than the vaccine does. So um, just something to throw out there. Most of these have been in males aged 12 to 17. That's most of the age range that they've looked at. So um, just wanted to throw that out there because I know that's a lot of people have a lot of questions about that. So, um, so I'm sure you've probably heard the term RSV uh, because it happens uh, to our mostly to our little ones around the same time as the flu in the in the winter time. Uh, weirdly, I guess it was like. Uh, 2021 maybe because I guess 2020 everybody was still pretty much isolated but 2021 the first year where people started moving around a little bit more we actually had an RSV season in the summer and it was so weird uh, because I've never seen RSV in the summer we've seen a handful of flu you know sprinkled here and there but the the RSV it was really weird how it just completely shifted seasons Um, but now it's pretty much back to right now fall and winter time for the RSV so RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus. Um, again, it's just another type of common cold virus. So like me, Kevin, we're just going to be a normal cold, and it's usually not going to cause many problems. Um, the ones we worry about are our little babies. And so what happens with the little bitty babies and why it makes them so sick is because their little airways are so small. And RSV is known for causing a lot of like mucus buildup and getting into those little little bitty airways. And then they get all clogged up and they start wheezing and they have a really hard time breathing. Um, Here lately, in the past couple of years, we've also seen a lot of adults getting more sick with RSV. Um, 
I've probably taken care of more adults with RSV the past two years in the hospital than I have in the last (laughs) 10 years uh, combined. It's kind of crazy. So they have come out with a vaccine. We've always had um, some kind of vaccine for our high-risk little babies who were born prematurely. Um, But now they've expanded it and come out with a new vaccine to cover other children who may be at risk, as well as adults over 60, uh, because we are seeing it a little bit more in our adults as well. So, um, So let's talk about RSV. You know, I mentioned it before the break that typically what we think about is our little bitty ones. But here recently, we have seen a lot more adults having problems with it. Um, The biggest thing with the RSV is, like I said, it does cause some of that mucus buildup in your airways. And so you get a lot of wheezing. Um, But it's a little different than the wheezing with asthma. It's more of like wheezing because you have some trouble getting the air out because of all the blockage of the mucus. So a lot of the typical things that we do for... asthma, uh, like breathing treatments and steroids and things like that, don't really help the wheezing of RSV, unfortunately, uh, because it's a totally different process. So, um, So long story short, there's, again, a virus. There's not a lot of good medicines for it. Uh, we just have to treat supportively and treat you through it. So um, as far as I know, there's not uh, you know, not really an antiviral that we typically give uh, for RSV. It's just, again, more supportive care as opposed to like the flu where we can just give you Tamiflu or, or Zofluza. Uh, but they have come out with vaccines. Um, so we have had a medicine called Synergis, which, which is a monoclonal antibody and essentially kind of a vaccine Um to the RSV that we gave to our premature babies. But there were a lot of restrictions, like you had to be born um, premature of 27 weeks gestation, which is super early. You had to have certain heart conditions, lung conditions, that kind of thing to be able to qualify for it. Now there are vaccines um, available up until 19 months of age, and then also greater 60 and older. Um, and it's two different vaccines, but they have a one available for kids and one available for adults. So um, just something to think about, you know, if you're going to be around uh, a lot of little babies and you may be older than 60 and um, you would be one of those people who would qualify as high risk for a complication from RSV, then you may want to talk to your doctor about it, um, you know, if you qualify for the RSV vaccine. Um, It is just a one-time dose, and so you just get the one shot, and then you're done. Uh, But it is available, and it's something that's new on the market, so I just wanted to make sure that we discuss that. I don't think it's necessary for everybody, um, but I do think if you're high risk for complications, it would be something that you want to make sure you talk to your doctor about. Most of the clinics, I don't think, are having it. Some of the pediatric clinics may be stocking it, but a lot of the adult and family medicine clinics, I don't think, are stocking the RSV vaccine because it it is just kind of a limited group of people who are going to be high risk and need it. So um, it would be something to talk to your doctor about. You may have already been approached by your pharmacist about it. So I just wanted to make sure you all knew that that was out there. Um, a couple of the other ones I wanted to uh 
make sure that we mention because we've got just a little bit of time left. And I feel like we always focus so much on our kids' vaccines that we kind of leave our adults high and dry. Um, but the other ones that are available are going to be the shingle shot and the pneumonia shot. Those are two of the other big vaccinations that majority of adults are going to need. Um, so the shingle shot is the Shingrix vaccine. You may remember there was a time where we had another type called the Zosterix vaccine that was against shingles, and it was a one-time dose. Um, it was actually a live vaccine. I think it was pretty miserable from what people said, made them feel kind of crummy. This one is completely different. Um, it is uh, two doses, and you get one shot two months apart, and it starts at age 50. Um, used to Medicare did not cover it, but here in the last like year, year and a half, Medicare is also covering it. So a lot of our patients, once they turned 65 and got on Medicare, um, they couldn't get the shingle shot. So I would always really try to push it when they were, you know, younger and right when they turned 50. However, now Medicare is covering it. So if you're listening and you still haven't gotten it, they are covering it now. So you can go get your shingle shot, um, which is good because the shingle shot is like almost $200 a shot and you have to get two doses. So it's wonderful that they're covering for, covering it now. That old vaccine that I was talking about really was only about 60 to 70 percent effective at reducing shingles. This newest one is like 90 something percent effective at reducing shingles. And pretty much everybody who is 50 and older um, did not get a did not get a chicken pox vaccine because it didn't exist then. Um, so you all had the chicken pox at some point. Pretty much everybody did. And what happens with that varicella um, virus, it lives in your nerve endings and it can be reactivated at any time. And that's what shingles is. And so, you know, pretty much everybody out there is at high risk for developing shingles. So everybody needs to get the shingle shot. Um, and so, like I said, it's called the Shingrix. It's two doses. It is a standard vaccine at the pharmacy. All you have to do is go to the pharmacist and tell them. We were used to have to send in a prescription, but we don't even have to do that now. It is just a standard shot, which is great. So, uh, Dr. Milka, I just wanted to add here that um, I also had shingles and have gotten the shingles vaccine. And let me say that shingles is, was pretty bad. And so that's something that you don't want to get. Yes. But I'll say, the only thing I will say, that's the only shot where there was a little bit of pain and as it was injected and a little bit of pain afterwards. But other than that, again, I had no, a no side effect. So I'm a big vaccine guy, especially if you have insurance and it's free. I don't understand why people wouldn't take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, it used to not be covered by Medicare. And so that was a lot of people's hesitancy, but it is covered now. So, but yeah, most people do say that with the shingle shot, it did make them feel pretty crummy. So I tell a lot of people if they're kind of sensitive to that thing to schedule it on a Friday. <laughs> so you have the weekend to do it. Um, so that that way you'll recover. But most people I still feel like even even if they do feel bad, it's just, you know, 12 to 24 hours. So, um, But yes, if you and you're listening and you have had shingles, you're like, well, I don't need it because I've had shingles before. It is still indicated um, and we want you to get it even if you've had shingles before. And we still want you to get it even if you had that old Zosterix that I was talking about earlier. Um, and then lastly, in the last minute, I just want to throw out the pneumonia shot uh, because this one, goodness, it's so confusing even as a physician. When do you get your pneumonia shot? You know, which one do you get? Um, but now pretty much the blanketed one is going to be the Prevnar 20. That is the newest one that's on the market right now. Um, and that's the one you see all the commercials for. 
essentially, we used to have two different ones that we would give. We would give the old Prevnar and the Pneumovax. Essentially, the Prevnar 20 has combined both of those. So um, if you only got one of those older shots, you would just get another dose of the Prevnar 20 and be done. Um, If you got neither of those shots, you would get one dose of the Prevnar 20, and again, you're done. So basically... Everybody needs a Prevnar 20 <laughs> when you boil it down. Um, but so we start those indications at 65 and older. Um, so once you turn 65 is when you would get your first dose of the pneumonia vaccine. And then um, if you are under 65, but say you have diabetes, you have heart disease, you have COPD, smokers, um, those are the ones that you're going to want to make sure that you get the, the um, pneumonia shot before you're 65. So um, hopefully this was helpful, and I appreciate all our callers. We really appreciate it. If you have something that you didn't, uh, you missed, maybe you can always send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org and we can get back to you. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and it's funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Uh, today's show is engineered by Kevin Farrell. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.